You're listening to Rivercast, brought to you by River of Life Church in Gilderland, New York. Now here's Pastor Sean. Hey guys, good morning, good morning. So good to be with you this week. And uh, I know our crowds are thinning a little bit because I, I think a bunch of you guys are watching us at home, but we have a number of families that are just quarantining or self, you know, voluntary quarantining. I'm hearing uh, not so much oh, our church family getting COVID, although there's a little bit of that, but more kind of their family and connections. And so anyhow, I... In fact, before we uh, before I share, I, I want to just pray for our our families and that kind of thing, you know. Um, so why don't we go ahead and do that? Shall we do that, Father? I uh, this morning just my heart for the uh, individuals who are home and um, having to stay away from other people. Uh, Father, I pray for your grace and your mercy upon them. Lord, we miss them here; those that are part of River. And uh, but Father, I pray that they would recover well. I pray for those that have family members and friends that are struggling with COVID. Uh, Lord, uh, we just ask for your mercy, not just on our behalf as a church, but our communities, our state, and, and our world. So Father, um, I lift these things to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as I was, it was interesting watching the kids' video here. And as you guys know, we show that because we have kids at home that are not able to participate with our kids' ministry here. So we want to keep giving them something week by week. But I, I love the focus on hard times, that God is there to help us with hard times. And I, I was reflecting a bit just because it's Christmas and that kind of thing. I don't know how it's hitting you this year. And every year is a little bit different for me. But I'm having a little bit of a hard time kind of focusing and celebrating Christmas. And it's probably speaks more about me, my own world than anything. But I think just the reality of all of the other stuff and, and on top of it, I, I don't know. I, I find I have to be more intentional than ever before, you know, because it, it you just don't hear about God or Jesus in the common world around us like we used to. And so I'm not so much shaming or lamenting that as much as just say, you know, this morning and uh, this week, I hope that we're able to celebrate that. I hope you are in your own home because the Christmas story is the second greatest miracle of all time. The first greatest miracle is when Jesus rose from the dead. The, the second greatest miracle, and, and you could argue maybe it's the first because you don't have the resurrection unless you've got Jesus actually coming to begin with, but I'll concede that one. But God becoming human and living on this earth, absolutely amazing. Just absolutely astounding. So I wanna, I'm want i hoping to encourage us, hoping to challenge us a little bit this morning, thinking about Christmas and hopefully lift our spirits up beyond COVID and maybe giving us some tangible things. I'm not so much going to talk about the warm fuzzies baby, you know, in the manger kind of thing that, you know, that we might be attracted to. And what an incredible story about, you know, against all odds, Mary and Joseph delivering uh, Lord Jesus in that manger. But I'm going to, in 2 Corinthians chapter uh, 6, believe it or not, there are three implications to the Christmas story. Three implications. So read with me if you would. Three things that I want us to focus on this morning. Paul says this in verse 14, Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. For what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness? Or what fellowship has light with darkness? Sean, I thought we were talking about Christmas. We are. Hang on. It's in there. Just give me a couple more verses. I'll get there. What accord has Christ with Belial? That's another name for Satan, a reference to Satan. Or what portion does a believer share with an unbeliever? What agreement has the temple of God with idols? For we are the temple of the living God. As God said, and here's the Christmas story, 
I will make my dwelling among them and walk among them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. That's, in essence, what Christmas is all about. God making His dwelling among us, walking among us, becoming our God, and making us His people. That's what we celebrate this Christmas. Not so much just the the birth of a baby in a manger, but that God in heaven who committed Himself to live and dwell among us as people, people who had cast Him aside, people who had ignored Him, people who had offended Him and, and done everything against Him, God chose to to make his way into this world and became man, Jesus, so that he could be our personal God with us and that we could become his people. God is not a God who sits afar off and has no contact with us, no bearing in our day-to-day life. He's not some just power or energy force that we somehow need to plug into some sort of self-help positive thinking kind of mantra, but we have a personal God who rules in this world, who came and personally invested in His own self, became a human being, and died on the cross for our sins, and rose again on the third day that we will celebrate at Easter, just so that we could become His people. Three implications to this. Uh, what Paul talks about here to this incarnation, God incarnating, becoming a, a, a man, Three things that are important for us to consider that Paul talks about. The first thing that I just read a moment ago is that God tells us to separate, but we shouldn't isolate. He tells us, he says, look guys, do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. For what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness? And he goes on the next several verses talking about that. Because we have a God who saves us and and makes us his people, For every person that surrenders their life to Jesus Christ as Lord, they become a child of God. In fact, I'll talk more at length about that in just a second. But what the implication of that means is, is that God saves us out of sin. He saves us out of a sinful lifestyle. He saves us out of sinful habits. He saves us out of the muck and the mire in the world around us. And He says, guys, I'm pulling you out of that stuff. And because of it, you're not to be partnered back in with all of that. He says, do not be unequally yoked. In other words, the last time I checked, none of us really are farmers. I guess you guys are kind of quasi, like, could be farmers. You come from farming stock, right? So we can kind of say it that way. So you know about cows and that kind of thing. But what Paul is telling us, he's reminding us an Old Testament principle. You know, think back to before tractors, and if you had uh, horses or donkeys or mules or, 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 or cows or an oxen, and you need to plow your field, you'd put them in a yoke and kind of this, this, this wooden contraption that would go around the neck of the two animals together, and together they would be hitched together and they could pull that load. And God in the Old Testament said, don't put a donkey in with a cow or an oxen. Don't make it unequal. It was actually a picture to say that God is holy and we're to be with other followers of of Him as well. and We're not to be tied in together with those that are not pulling in the same direction, not following Him. Pragmatically, it doesn't work well anyway. You know, you've got different height differences and two different animals are like, who are you? I don't want to be near you. And so... The Bible's telling us that because God became a man in this world, as when we are followers of Him, 
that we are not to get in that harness, into that yoke with other people who are not following Jesus. I want you to notice the starkness of this. He, he shares this same principle like five or six times different ways. He says, don't be tied together. Don't be in, in partnership, if you will, with those of lawlessness. He says, he asks the question in verse 14, what fellowship has light and dark? What accord or what harmony? What, what harmony can, does Jesus have with Satan? What portion, what do they share together? A follower, a believer of Jesus Christ, and somebody who is not a follower of Jesus Christ. What agreement has the temple of God, as we as the church and as His people are God's temple, not the building, we the people together as the church. And what, what agreement do we have with idols? I want you to notice the stark difference. This is, this is binary. This is, there's no middle ground here. There's no gray area. It's yes or no. It's one or the other. And Paul says, if you're a follower of Jesus, that we are to be separate from the world around us. Now, some, some Christians, some churches have taken that to an extreme. They take that to the point of almost an isolation in their world. They take it to where they're never around people who don't follow Christ. I want us to recognize, River, that is not what we're supposed to do. I'm grateful for the stories that I've been hearing about who's your one and people reaching out and whether it's an invitation in a park or whether it's a coworker and, and family members. And we, our Lord tells us that we're to be salt and light in this world. In fact, one of the criticisms Jesus had from the Pharisees is like he's always hanging around people who are messed up. He's hanging around bad people, people who are sinners. And Jesus said, what do you expect? I'm a physician. I'm a spiritual doctor. I need to be around the people who are spiritually broken and messed up. So what we're talking about here is not isolating ourselves from the world. In fact, to be perfectly honest with you, I hope you hang out and are around people that need Jesus. We have the solution and the hope of the world. And what people need is a relationship with Christ. But what Paul is talking to us about is saying that is different than us getting into a yoke together and becoming close partners with those individuals. That we should be careful not to do that because we're going two very different directions in this world. You see, there's a principle here that nature is what forms association. Dogs and cats generally don't like to hang out together. My cats kind of want to get around my dog, but my dog freaks out and can't stand it. He's okay with other dogs because they're of his nature. You know, pigs hang out with pigs. Cats, they don't hang out with anybody. Just be honest. You cat lovers, you think they hang out with you, but they really don't. Your dog will hang out with you, but your cat won't. Deer hang out with deer. Turkeys hang out with turkeys. I guess I've never owned sheep. Do sheep hang out with sheep? You know, it's just nature determines association. When you are a follower of Jesus, God puts in your heart a new nature that you love and crave the things of God, that you want to follow Him. He, he puts that desire and that unction to honor Him with your life. And because of it, there's a, a life trajectory. There's a life habit. There's, there's interests. There's values. There's a, a way that you're drawing toward because God has changed you and made you different. And what He's warning us is being careful when we make 
ourselves in alliance with those that are going a completely different direction. Instead of following Jesus, they really ultimately are following His enemy. Instead of being those of the light, they're of darkness. Instead of those who are obedient to Christ, they're following their own law, which is lawlessness. We as followers of Jesus, because of the Christmas story, because of God making His way in this world, are to remain separate in those kinds of things. Well, Sean, what kind of examples are we talking about here? Are you saying that I have to go to a, a store that's only owned by Christians? You know, politically, it's almost that way today of certain flavors. You've got to go support this particular thing in that particular way. No, we're not talking about that. Sean, are you saying I, I can't work for somebody, you know, as an employee unless they're a follower of Jesus? No, that's not what Paul's talking about either. The, the biggest thing he's talking about here, above all, the closest, most personal commitment that you will ever make on this earth is a relationship in marriage. That is the, the, the oneness, the coming together and uniting together and yoking together, if you will, putting yourself in that, that mutual relationship toward one another. So when the Bible talks to us about not being unequally yoked, the first thing on the list of things we should be careful with is when we're a follower of Jesus, is to not marry somebody who isn't a follower of Jesus. Now, if you've trusted Christ after you were married, we, we know, no, this is not saying to go get a divorce. That's not cool either. Like your job, if you're a follower of Christ and your spouse is not, your job is to do everything you can to make that marriage a success and to honor God and to serve and love and all of those things that you do. But if you're single, you're not to marry somebody who doesn't follow Jesus. That really ultimately then means you need to be really careful about not giving your heart and dating people who are not followers of Jesus. Oh my goodness, Sean, are you seriously going to say that? I really am. Because how often do people fall in love? And I'm putting quotations around that because you can fall in love and you can fall out of love. And if that's all there is to it, then you've got real problems. Marriage and relationships over the long haul are about commitment, a commitment of love more than they are this, this feeling that goes through. And if you're trying to genuinely be careful and you're considering where that road is going, that, that bus that you're getting on, where that destination is going, the Bible tells us to not put ourselves, joining ourselves to those who are not followers of Jesus. As a pastor, some of the most difficult stories that I hear are couples who one person follows Jesus and the other doesn't. And the day in and day out, tension and strain and struggle and the, the different values and one wanting to, to follow and honor God, it just, it's a struggle. It is hard. So at the very least, consider pragmatically what Paul tells us this morning. So he tells us not just because God's a holy God, but it just doesn't work well. Another area, be careful in business. Be careful when you come together as a, a business owner and you're going in full partnership with somebody else, you're becoming a full partner. Be careful. I'm not saying take that to the nth degree, to the, you know, to the ultimate extreme in every situation, but I am saying to be careful. Because, listen, this is a stark 
difference. We don't often walk through the world this way, but you're either a follower of Jesus or you're not. You're either going one direction, pursuing Him, or you're going 180 degrees the other way. And when you join yourself to that, you're going to get pulled over that other direction. You're going to become that, that donkey, if you will, in that yoke that gets yanked over to the other side and can't do anything about it. Anyone who is a carpenter, maybe chemist, I guess, as well, or works with metal, knows that you, you shouldn't put, when you're building something, two different kinds of metals together. So if you're putting up aluminum you know, siding or something, you shouldn't use stainless steel nails to nail into it. Because those two different metals, actually, where they touch, creates a corrosion. It creates a positive. It creates like a little mini current in the middle of that. And over time, the metal erodes, and, the, and it'll pull right away. Because you're putting two different things together. That's what Paul is telling us, is that our, our heart and our life gets corroded when we have joined together because of the different nature that God has given us. So be careful in marriage. Be careful in business. Be careful in religion. Be careful in, in terms that you do not participate. Paul was writing to the church at Corinth, and we don't have this issue so much today, but they, it was common to have their potluck dinners or their, their dinners that you know were advertised to the community, to the local temple, to a certain idol, and all this meat had been sacrificed in, 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 to the idol, and it was a part of their religious service, if you will, that they would get together and have a feast. And Paul had to tell the church at Corinth, he's like, stop. Why are you, who are a follower of Jesus, participating in practices that are for idols? Why are you hanging out with Satan and his followers in the middle of that? Don't. Well, today in our world, I would say be careful. Be careful when you are considering the, the religious or you know, you're attending services. I don't care if it's a church or if it's another religion or whatever. But when you participate in those things that are believed that are opposite of the gospel and what the Bible teaches, in my mind, it's okay to observe, but it's not okay what Paul is saying is to participate. It's okay to, to see what's going on, but don't participate. I've never been to Nepal, but if I went to Nepal, I would not spin the little Buddhist prayer wheels, you know. I might walk down and find that interesting. When I went to China, the... Our tour guide, we, had a, we were there sharing the gospel, and our tour guide had a fun day that we got to see some of the sights around Beijing. And I don't remember what it was, but she took us to some sort of entrance. And she told us if we stepped through it, I think it was with our right foot, that it would bring good luck to us. And my dad and I were both there. We kind of looked at each other, and we went in immediately with our left foot. And she was convinced that I did not understand. And we said, look, we followed Jesus. I don't need any of this other stuff, right? We observe, we don't participate. Fourth thing, quickly, I'm going to move on. Be careful on the friendship level. You should be friends with a lot. I hope you're friends and know lots of people that don't know Jesus because you can't be salt and light in the world without that. Jesus was. But I'm talking about close alliances. I'm talking about when you are super-duper tight with somebody and you're going to that person for advice in your life. And they are going to give you counsel when they're not a follower of Jesus that's not according to God's way. And when you're opening yourself to that and you're, you are, feel allegiance to that and going that direction, what Paul is talking about is those kinds of things. You have partnered yourself with the world. So we as followers of Jesus, 
We need to be gracious, loving people that are not isolating ourselves from the world. We ought to live fully in the world, not, but not be of the world, as the Bible tells us. But we don't commit ourselves to the world. Jesus hung out with lost people, but he didn't commit himself to them. That's what our, one of our responsibilities, that God came to this earth to love us, to save us, to save us out of the junk of this life. And the consequence or the reality of that is, is, guys, he says, don't go back and partner in that world. I saved you out of all of that. It's a challenge for you and me because we look at so many people that we know, well, they're nice guys, they're a good person, all that. Yeah, but they're not a follower of Jesus. And this is black and white. There's no middle ground. You're either going Jesus' way or you're going the other way. And Paul tells us to be careful. Second thing, not only should we separate but not isolate, but we should celebrate our spiritual family. Look what the Bible says. God says, I will make my dwelling among them and walk among them. I will be their God and they shall be my people. I love verse 18 as it goes on. He says, and I will be a father to you and you shall be sons and daughters to me, says the Lord Almighty. I don't know this Christmas season if you're excited, discouraged, depressed. I don't know how that hits you. The holidays are often a struggle for so many. That's why suicides go up and depression goes up, I think, because we expect it to be more than it is. I pragmatically, I think, coming in through the New Year's with all that's going on with COVID, I think the bubble's going to pop. Everybody's so excited about Christmas, and it's just going to burst because it's going to be like eating some cotton candy, and as soon as it dissolves in the mouth, it's gone, and it's over, and what is going to take its place? But for us as followers of Jesus, we should be celebrating that this Christmas season means that we have a Father in heaven, that we are His people, that we are His sons and His daughters. We should celebrate that incredible relationship that we have with God in heaven that's absolutely, absolutely amazing. You know, God is, is unlike anything else in this world. However, because we are human, because we are who we are, we can take God for granted as much as we can anyone else or anything else in this world. Have you ever been taken for granted? I have. It never feels good, right? And I've taken other people and other things for granted. And if we're not careful as followers of Jesus, we can go through life and go through big segments of time where we're kind of just taking God for granted. I would encourage you this week to use the Christmas season, to use the Christmas day and Christmas Eve and all of that to reflect back on the fact that God is your Father. That when you have a relationship with Him through Jesus Christ, you're His son and His daughter. That should bring an excitement to us. It should bring a security to us. It should calm our fears. It should relieve our anxieties. It should help our doubts. I love the fact that God reveals Himself to us as Father. For some people who maybe didn't have a good relationship with their dad growing up, or maybe a non-existent relationship, or doesn't even know who your dad their dad is that concept can be a little bit difficult but i want to encourage you to think about it this way that god's still knowing that so many people would struggle with their relationships with their fathers 
A lot of people walk around this world, men and women, with daddy issues from days gone by. But God still chose to reveal himself to us as father. And I want to encourage you to rather than say, I can't relate to God that way because I have a bad father. Actually, what God's trying to do is to get you to relate to him as father in the best way. He's trying to transform that pain, that experience, and to, to restore to you what you, that whole concept, and to trust him the way that he would like to for you to have been able to trust your dad, to be able to relate to him in that way. Think about it this way. What God is to us, when he is our father, that means 24-7 as we walk through this world, we are never in doubt. We are never at risk. We are never insecure. We are never in love. We are never unprotected. We are never unprovided for. That we have a father who's with us 24-7. As a dad of, of eight kids myself, I couldn't be there when all my kids were really little and young. I couldn't be there individual attention to any of them, even in my own roof, under my own roof. I could give my time to one, like really focused, or maybe, you know, general dad time, you know, for wrestling in the living room or playing a game or whatever. But, but God in heaven, 24-7 is with you and me today when we're a follower of Him. Because of that, we ought to have less worries. We ought to have fewer doubts than we do. We ought to have less insecurity in our hearts. We ought to have more contentment. And we ought to trust more whatever's going on in the world around us because we have a Father who loves us, who rules this world. So this Christmas, I encourage you to lean into that and be content at that with whatever the other things that are spinning and going on in your world. Think about that and celebrate the family that we are together because if God has sons and daughters, that makes us siblings. And like all families, you know, every family's got a black sheep. We won't try to call out who that person is here because it might be me. I don't know. I might be the one. But like all families, because we're fallen people, we don't get always get along perfectly. But it is super cool that we have an extended family, that God puts us in relationship not only with him, but with each other. And that's what we should celebrate this Christmas season. Third thing, third implication for us, and, and I'm going to finish. Notice what the Bible says in chapter 7, verse 1. The Bible says this, Since we have these promises, these things that we've been talking about as God's children, the things, honestly, we've been talking about through the early chapters of God saving us and sending us his ambassadors, those are the promises that God gives us that we ought to be have in our heart. And he says, beloved, in other words, very loved ones. That's what he calls us as his followers. Let us cleanse ourselves from every defilement of body. Not just a little bit, but every bit of it. Defilement of the body and the spirit, bringing holiness to completion in the fear of God. Because God became man and came to this world to save us. Was that born as a baby in that manger without sin and became sin for us so that we could be the righteousness of God that we talked about a week or two ago. Not only does that mean we should be separate from the world because we're joined to God, it means we should celebrate that relationship that God has given with us 
but it also means we should consecrate our lives in every way, daily, that we should be see ourselves as set apart to God. Paul tells us we're to cleanse ourselves, our body and our spirit. In other words, everything about us, what's on the outside physically and what's on the inside spiritually, to remove every defilement, everything that might pollute or dirty or taint or contaminate. Just as a surgeon, you know, every nurse and surgeon, anesthesiologist, when they go into that operating room, I mean, they are scrubbing and cleaning and all of that. I've never met a med student or a nursing student who just didn't absolutely obsess over, like, washing their hands and everything, you know, and, and they just, it just, it's drilled into them, and they've seen all the little bugs crawling around their fingers, you know, and that kind of thing, and they, they go in sterile. What's well, the same picture as what Paul is giving to us as followers of Jesus? Now that God has saved us and forgiven us of our sins, he said, guys, you should live differently. Put a new nature in your heart and your soul. Clean up your life. God does the one who does the heavy lifting. He does the work inside of us. But he tells us we've got a responsibility to lean into it. We're not told passively to sit there and let him do it. Instead, we're to actively Get rid of some junk out of our life. He's talking about defilements in our body. Paul is writing to the church at Corinth, and, and those of you that were here when we, we walked through 1 Corinthians a couple of years ago, they struggle with sexual sins. Honestly, every culture of every world has, of all times, has struggled in that area. And Paul had to talk to them. He said, guys, you need to be straightening this stuff out. Remove yourself. Clean up. Get your acting gear physically. Clean up your life. I came to save you out of all of that stuff. I came to make you sexually pure in marriage, in relationship, husband and wife. I gave that to you as an incredible gift to be an incredible blessing in marriage. Why have you twisted it and dirtied yourself by using it for differently than what I designed it for? It's just clean, get clean, get clean in every area. There's so many different ways that we can defile ourselves physically. And Paul says, remove yourself from that. And he says, clean up your life on the inside. Not just the things you do, but the things you think about and the things you see and the attitudes of your heart. Remove yourself from those things. See, this Christmas season ought to be a time for us to also reflect into our life. I know historically, what is the season of, of Lent that comes up, you know, sometime along the way, where you're supposed to kind of, you know, focus on God and maybe give up something and reflect on your sinfulness and all of that. Well, we're supposed to do that at Christmas is what Paul is telling us right here. It's not just something for Lent, but we should be concerned about the way we live our life all the time. Now, when you and I lose focus on God, we start ignoring those things. There's a key here, if you will look at it, the Bible says this, to, to bringing, our, bringing holiness, the, God's holiness in our life, to completion, here's the last part of that verse, in the fear of God. Listen, when you and I stop consciously fearing God, that's when you and I become comfortable with sin in our life. 
See, a lot of times people are like, oh, pastor, I try, I try to work on it, it's hard, I just, I struggle, and I get it, it is. But sometimes what we need to reflect on is more than just trying harder to get over those things, we actually need to go to God and say, God, would you help me fear you more? I was, I was traveling yesterday, I went, went, went hunting on, uh, was it yesterday? Yeah, yesterday morning, so strapped on the snowshoes, waited around for three hours in snow, just about killed me, it was an incredible workout. You know, when it's like 10 degrees outside, and you don't have to have a hat and gloves on, and like hardly even a jacket, because it's just, just hot, and uh, anyway, actually that's not when I got pulled over, I got pulled over two days before that. We saw the park ranger, uh, the forest ranger, I'm like, oh, great. Why are these guys always out when I'm out, you know? And we, we pulled over and I hopped out of the, the vehicle, you know, like, you want to see our running license? Like, yeah, sure, thank you. And a uh, really nice guy, great, great guy. Don't you and I act differently when we know we're being watched? Do we not? Do you not drive differently when you know the troopers are out? Do you not... Act differently with your boss or the owner of the company's in. Kids, don't you act a little bit more minding your manners when mom and dad are around or you think the threat of getting in trouble is around? Yeah, it's the fear of God. To be no perfectly honest with you, I think we know the love of God a lot. Sometimes we need a little bit more of the fear of God in our lives. And Paul says it's the fear of God that's going to cause you to clean up your life. You see, this Christmas, we should know that God loves us and put that baby in that manger, the Lord Jesus, on this earth to save us from our sins. But we also need a healthy dose of Moses in the burning bush where Moses went before God and God said, Son, take your shoes off. You're standing on holy ground. We need more of the picture of Isaiah when he saw the Lord high and lifted up and the the glory filled that whole room, and he saw the angels with, with, had six wings, two they covered their face. In other words, the holiness of God, that even they who had never sinned, never done anything wrong, could still themselves not look upon the face of God. And immediately, as Isaiah saw that picture, he fell on his face. He said, whoa, I am a, I'm a dead man. I am such a sinner before God. You see, you and I need that healthy fear of God in our life. Not to make us terrified of God, maybe a little bit of fear afraid, but a whole lot more of like, I, I want to serve you, God, because of all that you did for me to clean up our life. So church, I don't know where you are in your own spiritual life right now as you head into Christmas. It's so easy to lose focus this time of year, and it's so easy to lose focus with COVID and all that's going on. But if you've allowed in different areas of your life to just allow yourself to sin and to be holding on to that, to be dirty in that area of your life, I want to challenge you that the real issue isn't that you are allowing that or making excuses for it or justifying it or acting like it's okay. But I want to challenge you that you need to think about the fear of God, that the Lord of this universe came down and lived among us. And He now lives inside of us. And that should create such a desire to honor Him in every way of our life. Not, not obsessed over it, not putting a weight under us like, like legalism or putting a, a jacket around us that we can't lift, but a healthy respect 
that says, God, you died on the cross to save me of all of my sin. Because of that, I want to be clean. You know, which one of us would pick up a baby, a newborn baby? I think a Noella, you know, no mom or dad is going to be dirty, filthy, greasy, nasty hands. Dad, you know, or mom. Moms, you may like to work on cars. I don't know what your thing is, but either one of you, if you're out working on the car and grease and nasty and grime and digging in the garden, you don't come in and pick up that new baby without washing your hands first. Why? You're dirty. That's the way we should see our relationship with God. Is it God saved us to forgive us of all of that junk, and He wants us to live clean before Him. So this Christmas season, separate but don't isolate. Celebrate what it means to be a child of God. And as you celebrate that, consecrate your heart, your body, your life. Start afresh and anew. If you're struggling with sin in, in your area of your life, all you got to do is go before God and say, God, forgive me again. God, would you help me? God, help me to fear you and focus on that side of things. Allow God to work in your heart and keep pushing through taking those steps. Does it happen overnight? No, it's a process and it's something that you and I will deal with for the rest of our lives because that sin and root is so pervasive in our hearts that we will all struggle in that. Do I say that to depress you? No, I say that just to be realistic and for you to not to lose hope. But God has victory over all of that sin and He covers that stuff. So this Christmas season, Let's do those three things. So I'm going to close this in prayer, and I don't know exactly what God has kind of spoken in your heart this morning. Maybe you needed to celebrate. Maybe you were struggling just different things, and maybe that's what you needed to hear today. Maybe you have been playing around with joining with others in a way that you shouldn't be. You need to break those things off or get those things straightened out. Or maybe you have allowed an area in your heart to just sit there and be dirty and polluted. I want to encourage you to respond to God today. Don't go home without at least starting that conversation with Him and follow up with it with Him afterwards. So let me pray for you. Father, thank You for Christmas. Thank You for this Christmas season. Thank You for the practical realities of the, the Incarnation. Lord, I must confess, I often look at the Christmas story as just sharing about Mary and Joseph and the, the, the story of history as we know that it's unfolded. But Father, I've never seen the Christmas story in this passage, but it's right there in front of us, that you became a man, a major dwelling among us. That should blow us away, just how amazing that is. Not that you took time out of your day, you took your whole day, you took... For the rest of eternity, the Lord Jesus became man and became sin for us that we might be delivered. Father, there's no commitment in this world that we've ever experienced that is amazing as that. So, Father, I pray you'd help us to celebrate that this season. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, God bless you guys. Have a, a wonderful, blessed week. Pray you stay healthy. Thanks for listening to Rivercast, brought to you by River of Life Church in Gilderland, New York. Visit us on Sundays at 10 a.m. or online at riveralbany.com.